Ah, and we are live. Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to twitch.tv slash Takes by Fans. If you want to watch but out live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. Alrighty, today's a big old Tuesday, folks, and once again, the playoffs are chugging along tonight, folks, and once again, we're kind of calling the series perfectly, besides the Jazz last night, Jazz being classic Jazz, we are done, done, 100%, 1 trillion percent done with the Jazz, this is always what the Jazz are, losing leads, blowing games, even with the Mavericks, Still not having Luka Doncic last night. Folks, it's it's getting a little absurd at this point. It must stop. And uh, so we are officially going to be done betting and believing in this Jazz team regardless of who's in and out uh, for the teams that they're facing. And it seems like the Mavericks will be the last opponent they face because they're getting bounced, folks. They're going to get bounced first round, so. All right, uh, today on the show, we got to break down all the NBA games from last night. And once again, bet on the games tonight. Folks, what did we tell you yesterday? Yes, we took all three games. Uh, the Jazz one, Jazz minus five was the only one we missed. We told y'all Warriors minus seven and a half, 76ers minus seven and a half, fantastic value. Uh, we told y'all to parley those two together. Come on, folks. Our finger is on the pulse, folks, here. And this is where we shine because the playoffs show the true narratives, show what is actually happening, which teams were actually good, which players were actually good. It all comes out in the playoffs. So, yeah, we were kind of right the entire regular season, but we won't brag too much over here. So, breaking down the games from last night, betting on the games tonight, I'm so, so, so upset. Uh, so, you know how we had, you know, four games on Saturday, four games on Sunday, but during the week, we only get three games on. So, unfortunately, we have to wait one more day for the Celtics Nets game two and I know I know it sucks folks that's the most entertaining series by far the best series maybe potentially of this entire playoff tournament um, and we have to wait one more day shoot 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 darn I was kind of really looking forward to that game um, I, I need more of that I need more of that game one in game two I need more of it and I need it right now folks I may have to watch rewatch for the third time now game one of that series just so we can all make it to tomorrow uh so um yeah that there's that <laughs> Um, I, I didn't know where I was going with that, but I'm very upset that the Celtics are not on. But we will bet on the other games on. I believe the Heat played today, and we'll swallow those points again. We are not believing in the Hawks. And once again, we'll see if Vegas moves any on the spread line. Go, based on yesterday's game twos, no lines really moved. The Jazz dropped from minus 5.5 to minus 5, and that was probably the right decision because, you know, they lose the game. Classic. So, we'll uh, check the spreads and see if Vegas is wavering on any of their kind of, uh, their, their takes, the Vegas's spreads if they're moving from game one to game two um and then today we are not going to get to kenny pickett and i know we are nine folks we are nine days away from the draft the nfl draft has truly snuck up on us this year truly unfortunate uh so nine days left we have to get we have to get kenny pickett in. i mean we can't have a draft show we have to 
talk something on the draft. So our only narrative that we're really focusing in on this year's draft class is which quarterback's the best. And, uh, you know, it's not the biggest narrative because, you know, obviously these quarterbacks aren't deep or very, very great. They're, we're really not expecting like a Joe Burrow or a Justin Herbert to come out of this year's draft class. So it's not the most interesting narrative, but it's one that we took a quick look at and really the only narratives in the draft class that we have. So we got to go on that. We got a couple of days. We got to get to Kenny Pickett, maybe one other quarterback, one other player. So we got to squeeze in some more of those in the next coming nine days, but we will not be doing that today because there's a ton of great stories, a ton of great stories. All these stories just came out of nowhere and I'm loving it, folks. Teams that we've been tracking very in-depth over the last few weeks ever since the season ended and it's just kind of reaffirming everything that we've been saying so I cannot wait to get into these uh, these NFL stories but the only way we get to that is to wrap up the NBA so let's start here with the NBA and then we will shift gears to the NFL but let's start here with breaking down all the games from last night in the NBA and there was some uh, some good performances are were they close games overall no, but it's still some good performances, so it's still good overall playoff basketball to watch. But let's start here with game number one, Raptors at the 76ers. Game two, 76ers won easy peasy game one. And now with this Raptors team, no Scotty Barnes last night. Of course, we were going to swallow seven and a half with the 76ers, and they win by 15, 112-97 win over the Raptors. They were in the driver's seat the entire game. Joel Embiid is once again unstoppable, 31 points, 11 rebounds. And folks, see, he only took six. 16 shots. I mean, he's efficient. He gets to the line. There's really no answer to Joel Embiid. And we know this Raptors team, they don't have the biggest beef. They got Precious and Siakam. This is not the biggest beef you need to stop a Joel Embiid, okay? So Joel Embiid is still going manic. Now, the only way the Raptors get back into the series is if they take care of business on Game 3 at home. So we'll truly see what this 76ers team is made of on the road and see how Vegas puts the spread with the 76ers team on the road. We may still take it, and we may only have to swallow like three or four points, folks. It's going to be great. So I think I'm still rocking with the 76ers throughout the series, but we'll you know talk that through once game three arises. So, Joel Embiid was dominant all game. James Harden, 14 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds, 3 steals, 2 blocks. I mean, truly just kind of doing classic James Harden all over the floor. Tyrese Maxey, 23 points, 8 assists, 9 rebounds. So, gosh dang, good and consistent. And look at this, folks. Tobias Harris, 20 points, 10 rebounds, 3 of 3 from the 3. 63% shooting on 11 shots. Yes, yes, this is exactly what we want from Tobias. Tobias Harris just fitting in. He's the fourth option on this team now, and he's finally realizing what that role entails because usually when he's been on the 76ers team for the past few years, he's always kind of been, at worst, the third option. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris. Uh, you know, Tobias Harris could be the two options some nights, but over here, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, I mean, that's all we really need scoring-wise. So, yeah, extra bonus Tobias Harris is the fourth option and finally truly setting, settling into that role and is having real great consistent games 
given us these kind of 20 plus point uh, a game night. So a plus 23 on the floor in 38 minutes. That was the highest plus minus. Tobias Harris, an absolutely wonderful game. And then Danny Green still in the starting lineup once again because Matisse Dybul cannot play in the road games because of Toronto. Um, so Danny Green still in the starting lineup. A better game here. 3 of 9 from the 3. 11 points, 3 assists. Not terrible overall. Some solid production. And uh, that's exactly what we needed. So the starters all got it done for the 76ers. But I want y'all to keep this in mind because I was talking with a buddy yesterday, uh, you know, about playoff basketball and all that. And the 76ers came up and he looked at their bench, folks. And he was like, hey, what the hell is this? And what have we been saying all year, folks? This 76ers bench can get them into trouble. Doc Rivers, Joel Fatigue, James Harden, unclutching the playoffs in their lack of depth are the four big issues with this 76ers team that is kind of truly standing in the way of them in winning that ring. If they can overcome all four of those big old obstacles, they may be able to do that. But they are four big old meatball obstacles to overcome. So I want y'all to take a look at this bench and keep the bench scoring. Keep the bench production in mind as we go and visit all the other two games from last night. And every single one of those teams in those two games all having better bench production than this 76ers team, folks. This is dangerous. This is where we're getting a little bit into dangerous territory talking about how good this 76ers Sixers team can be. The bench is atrocious. Matisse Dybul, five points last night. Georges Diang, five points last night. Shake Milton, three points last night. They had 13 points overall coming off the bench, folks. This is not going to be sustainable in this playoff run this year, folks. It's not, especially when you have to face better teams than the Raptors, deeper teams than the Raptors, like the Bucks, like the Heat, folks. The Heat is the worst match up here for this 76ers team to face and I know some of you may be wondering or maybe saying to yourself oh no you know the Bucks are the biggest mismatch because you know Giannis can kind of you know cover Joel Embiid but no 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 the depth of the heat will get this 76ers team in trouble if they cross pass paths which I do believe they do second round yeah, folks, I mean, Heat 76ers is a second-round potential matchup if they both win their first-round matchup. So this is potentially the start of the downfall for the 76ers team. We need Doc Rivers to get more out of this bench, play them more minutes. Why is Georges Niang and Shake Milton only playing 9 and 13 minutes? Why is Firkin Korkmaz getting no burn at all? Why is Paul Millsap getting no burn at all, did not play on the coach's decision? These players are not injured. These players are not sick. Get Firkin Korkmaz and Paul Millsap out there more on the floor. Give these other bench pieces more minutes so they can get it done. So they can get it done. You play. You, you throw somebody out there for 9, 10 minutes, you're not going to get any production. They need 15, 16, 17, 18 minutes, maybe even 20. Shit, give some players some 20 minutes coming off the bench here. So, 13 points in total from the bench, folks. Keep that number in mind. 13 bench points. Every other team that played last night outscored them from the bench, folks. So, let's talk about this Raptors team. 
who was already shorthanded anyway. No Scotty Barnes. So we have OG Ananubi in the starting lineup at the three. Gary Trent Jr., he was a game-time decision. We didn't even expect him to play. He did play, but only for nine minutes, you know, racked up four fouls, and they decided to sit him for the rest of the game, but he only played nine minutes. So we know this Raptors team is not deep. This is a knock on the Raptors. Uh, they're not a deep team either. This is why we thought this was a perfect matchup overall for both teams because, hey, it's starting five faces basically starting five let's see who can get it done so far the 76ers are doing it better <laughs> but overall you already lost two starters in this Raptors bench still still outscored the 76ers we had Chris Boucher coming off the bench 17 points alone he played 29 minutes why is nobody on the 76ers getting 29 minutes off the bench and I know your starting five is good but Danny Green I mean he's nothing special you can you know substitute him easy I know you want to keep, you know, James Harden and Joel Embiid out there as long as possible on the floor, and I don't blame you. Even Tyrese Maxey, I don't want him ever coming off the floor, but Danny Green, he can come off the floor any moment, every moment, honestly. I, you know, Danny Green, why are you out on the, get off, get off the floor. Danny Green, will you get off the floor, please? Folks, we told you, he's only starting because um, Thibule cannot play in Canada because no vaccine, so we have Chris Boucher coming off the bench, 17 points, 8 rebounds. Kem Birch, 5 points, 2 rebounds. And Thaddeus Young put up 2 points. And he was the game-time decision. Thaddeus Young, 8 minutes off the bench, game-time decision, still shot 100% on one shot for 2 points. So, I mean, look at this, folks. Way more points than the 76ers. It could be dangerous. This could be where the 76ers lose this season if they make it deep in the playoffs. Not having that bench folks so Raptors even though they lost they still outscored the 76ers coming off the bench all right, then for the starters that actually did play last night for the Raptors, Fred Van Vliet, 20 points, 7 assists, 4 rebounds. Pretty solid game by Fred Van Vliet. Precious at the 5, 7 points, 6 rebounds. Tough going against, you know, Joel Embiid. Siakam, who, you know, he's kind of good that, uh, you know, you everybody's knocking all these players here. In the MVP discussion, in the Defensive Player of the Year discussion, on how they're playing, you know, first-round matchups in the playoffs, and I get it, folks. Uh, but overall, they're regular season awards, and I mean, y'all are going at Jokic's neck. I mean, truly, I mean, if you're a Jokic fan and you truly believe Jokic is the MVP, stay off of Twitter because that man is getting wrecked over there on Twitter every single night ever since these last two games of the playoffs. Because I mean, folks, he's going against the Warriors in Golden. In state with Steph Curry back. I mean, we know this this Warriors team is a squad. They are kind of rivaling to win the championship. I think you can kind of give some nice odds and credit for this Warriors team to kind of win the whole thing this season. The way that Draymond Green is playing. But everybody's just kind of killing Jokic. But I mean, that's kind of why, you know, he deserves a little bit of the MVP because he has no supporting cast. And I know it's so easy for everybody to say, well, you know, he could still go get it done you were going to call him the MVP. At least he can, you know, give us more competitive performances out there and still lead the team by himself. And I guess I don't have the best argument against that. I guess, you know, you can say that, and I do kind of agree. But overall, what he did in the regular season, pretty solid. The playoffs are a whole different beast. We know this. So, uh, man, Jokic just getting killed. Um, and, you know, everybody's killing Jokic because they also believe Embiid should be the MVP. And I know MP, Embiid's having true success here. 
first round of the playoffs, but, you know, look at their matchup. They're at home. They're facing the Raptors. The Raptors don't have any good bigs, and, you know, Draymond Green, he's a great defender. I mean, that's really all he does. He's not that offensive performer. The man is putting up, like, eight points this season. I don't even know what his career average is. I, I would assume he averages maybe 12 points, but we know that's not his game. It's defense, so, you know, kind of taking that as the main argument against Jokic winning MVP, I don't know if that's the right course of action. Um, I don't totally 100% disagree with it. I just don't really kind of 100% agree with it. But, you know, it doesn't really matter. You know, we can have the debate, but it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, playoffs mean absolutely nothing to the MVP. But let's get back on track here. Pascal Siakam, that's why I wanted to bring it up. Uh, because Siakam, you know, we did kind of say, hey, you know, he was kind of MVP candidate early on in the season. And he's kind of, I'm kind of glad that that kind of faded for Siakam because, you know, he could get torched here on social media if he was kind of like an MVP finalist or something like that because, you know, he's floundering, shot 35% on 20 shots yesterday, 20 points, 10 rebounds, and still a minus 23 on the floor. So Siakam not really kind of getting it done as much as I kind of anticipated him to get it done in this series. And then OG Ananubi in the starting lineup led the team in scoring actually on a very efficient night, 4 of 7 from the 3, 71% on 14 shots, very well done for the 26 points to lead the team. But overall, still not enough to overpower the bigs, folks. 76ers get it done with Joel Embiid going manic. 76ers get that 15-point win, winning 112-97. to Alrighty, here we go. Second game up, folks. Here we go. Y'all still got that number in mind. 13 bench points by the 76ers. So now let's go on to the next game here. Jazz at the Mavericks. And in classic Jazz fashion, they blow the game. They get outscored in the third quarter, 29 to 26. And then in the fourth quarter, they get even outscored by more, 33 to 23. Outscored by 13 in the second half. And that's not good when your largest lead is 10. Yes, folks. So the semi or the Jazz blow another game here, another lead, and the Mavericks win 110 to 104 with no Luka Doncic. We were talking about it yesterday. He was a game time decision, but he did not play, and the Jazz still cannot win. The Mavericks ended up getting it done because they were hot. They were hot from three. The team that lives and dies by the three lived by the three last night folks look at this 22 of 47 from the three folks 46 percent while the jazz shot 11 of 29 37 percent the mavericks made double double the amount of three pointers than the jazz did and that's always going to be a win for this Mavericks team. We know this. Live and die by the three. They got it done. So let's talk about it. Jalen Brunson, 41 points on six of 10 from the three. Magnificent. Absolutely erupted there. We had Spencer Dinwiddie, who didn't shoot well from three, only one of six. But 17 points, six assists will take it. Once again, Spencer Dinwiddie filling in for Luka Doncic at that one. 
Then we had Dorian Finney-Smith, 3 of 9 from the 3 for only 9 points. We had Reggie Bullock, 3 of 5 from the 3 for 11 points. And then Maxi Kleber, 8 of 11 from 3 for 25 points. Coming off the bench. Coming off the bench, 25 points by Maxi Kleber. Uh, Trey Burke, also off the bench, but only in 4 minutes, 3 points. Josh Green, also off the bench in 5 minutes, 2 points. But overall, 1 player, 1 player was able to accumulate 25 points. The 76ers do not have anybody like that. Even if they let somebody go manic, like a Shake Milton, give that man 30 minutes. I mean, granted, Maxi Kleber did play 31 minutes off the bench, so that is where all the bench points are coming from. We'll give you that. But the 76ers will not play anybody 31 minutes off the bench, okay? Uh, there's nobody that can give us 25 points off the bench. Shake Milton, I don't know if I can get, I can trust 25 from him. Uh, Matisse Dibiel, he could probably get 25 points, but once again, he is a little bit of a starter, wonky situation because they just want consistency here when they transition on the road in Toronto. But uh, George's Diang. No, not giving us 25. Shake Milton, not giving us 25. Firkin Korkmaz, not giving us 25. And Paul Millsap, not giving us 25. So this is what makes this Mavericks team dangerous. They do have the shooters. And then they even had Davis Bertans, who only took one shot all game last night. Missed it, uh, but he played 13 minutes, and we can rely on Davis Bertans. I could I could count on Davis Bertans giving me 25 points, like one game, like a season. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Davis, you know, I need you to get it done. And when he's in the starting lineup, easily he can give us 25, but I'm talking off the bench, folks. So, Davis Bertans, this Mavericks team is deep. The 76ers, if they meet the Mavericks in the finals, they may not good go, go well for them. So, once again, the bench production, folks. 76ers truly lacking. But the starters for the Mavericks, uh, well, we kind of went over them. We talked about all the three-point great performances. So, Jalen Brunson truly uh, just locking in. Next man up mentality. Y'all need offensive production because no, no Luka Doncic. Yeah, I'll put up 41 points, 5 assists, 8 rebounds, 6 of 10 from the 3. That's definitely Luka Doncic-esque. So Mavericks with Luka, without Luka, they can still hit the 3. They can still generate their own momentum. And this Mavericks team, I think, won the series yesterday. I know it's only 1-1 and the Jazz can still come back and all that. And now the Jazz are at home. But I still like the Mavericks to win this series. They truly saved it last night. All right, and then for the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell does his thing. 34 points, 5 assists, classic uh, Donovan Mitchell game. He took 30 shots. Man, oh, man, tons of shots there. We know he's ball dominant, and he's the only one that can really score consistently. So, yeah, why not let him play loosey-goosey? We had Bogdanovich, 25 points, great night. Royce O'Neal, 12 points, 9 rebounds. And then Rudy Gobert, 8 points, 17 boards. But once again, can't guard the perimeter. And that's why we never loved this Jazz team coming into the series anyway because we know Rudy Gobert is a liability defensively. And that's why it's just so funny every year. Folks, every year. I mean, Rudy Gobert has been a finalist or a winner of the Defensive Player of the Year over the like, like last five years overall. Like, finalist every single season for Defensive Player of the Year over the last five years, and he can never guard the three. It's all, it's all so crazy. Everybody always champions Rudy Gobert to win Defensive Player of the Year, but the man can't guard the three. The man is getting absolutely torched. He's a defensive liability, especially against this Mavericks team who lives and dies by the three. They're winning without Luka Doncic, folks. The Jazz are blowing leads to a Mavericks team with no Luka Doncic. Do you understand why this is so concerning here? This is absolutely 
absolutely, it's unacceptable at this point because it's over and over and over and over and over again. This is the same Jazz team since when we started the show. We're saying the same exact things. And we're not saying the same exact things just to say the same exact things or not changing our thinking or anything like that. No, that's what it's telling us. That's what the film is telling us when we watch these games, when we watch Rudy Gobert here and we watch this Jazz team in big-time situations in the playoffs and all that. They show us the same exact things. Blowing leads. They've done that for the last five years. Rudy Gobert not being able to close out on the three. He's been doing that the last five years, folks. This team is not changing at all, folks. If this was the first year and they were, you know, blowing leads and Rudy Gobert not guarding the perimeter, okay. We can give them the benefit of the doubt, absolutely. But not five years in a row, folks. We have to cut it off and say enough is enough. And right now, enough is enough. Truly, 100%. I will not bet the Jazz for the rest of the year, folks. I will either stay away from the games or I'll be taking five points. And the Mavericks on the road, Mavericks on the road. Folks, we may be getting a lot of points, and I'm loving it. I'm taking it already. Whether Luka Doncic plays, that will affect it. But, I mean, if we're getting plus five at home with Luka Doncic, it may only be plus one. So, on the road, maybe it's even buffed, bumped up to, like, plus three or plus four. With no Luka Doncic, we get plus eight, maybe? I mean, yeah, I'll take eight points. So, we may be, uh, I am, I think I'll confirm it right now, I am taking points next game, game three of Jazz Mavericks, there's no way I'm betting on this Jazz team anymore, I don't care at home, they still blow leads at home, it doesn't matter folks, so, truly 100% done with the Jazz last night. Um, off the bench, I mean, Jordan Clarkson, he did well. And Jordan Clarkson, 21 points on 3 of 4 from the 3, 72% shooting on 11 shots. Real great night. And it's still not enough to get it done, folks. Jazz are done. The series is over. Mavericks get the win, 110 to 104. Alrighty, and then the last game of the night here, Nuggets at the Warriors, and this series is over as well. Now, it's not 100% over, but it's about 9... I'll, I'll be respectful to Jokic and say it's about 95% over. This Nuggets team can get back into the series, but they have to show something fantastic Game 3 when they're at home. And, you know, that's kind of what we predicted when we walked through this series, we said it would go seven, but the Nuggets would only win on their home floor, and that was kind of why we said the Warriors would win the series, because game seven in Golden State, there's no chance the Nuggets can win that game unless, like, everything goes wrong, like uh, Steph Curry and Jordan Poole and Klay Thompson all um, fall off of a cliff right before the game, then yeah, maybe the Nuggets can win. But overall, it's not looking good for the Nuggets because Jokic is getting absolutely locked up by Draymond Green. And man, oh man, I, I'm, I'm a little upset. I doubted uh, the Warriors as much. It's not that we doubted them a lot, but we should have known Draymond Green was going to be able to lock up Jokic like this. So that's where I owe Draymond Green a little bit of an apology. You know, we like to stand up for Draymond Green here on the show because we believe he gets a little overlooked, a little disrespected in the national media he's big time disrespected on social media about you know when you talk about this Warriors dynasty I mean nobody ever mentions Draymond Green which is the biggest disrespect you can do um so we like to you know cheer and uplift Draymond Green on the show and I'm, I'm a little disappointed that we overlooked him not being able to lo lock up Jokic so for that I truly apologize to Draymond Green
But he's absolutely playing well. Once again, he's not offensive-minded. Only six points, taking five shots. But locking up Jokic is the only thing he needs to do in the series. He could give us no points. He can give us negative points. He can actively score for the Nuggets. He can actively take the basketball and dunk on the Nuggets hoop to give the Nuggets two points. And I wouldn't even mind as long as he's locking up Jokic. I'd be like, that's fine. Give, the, give Nuggets ten points. I don't care. As long as you're locking up Jokic, it doesn't matter. You can still win the game. So Draymond Green absolutely getting it done defensively like we know he can. And, you know, he doesn't need to be offensive-minded because did you all know about the Splash Triplets? Yes, we all know about the Splash Brothers, but now we get the Splash Triplets. And once again, the Splash Triplets, which, you know, what gives them their nickname and what makes their nickname truly stick is being consistent. And consistency is key, folks. And they were all consistent last night again, again. Jordan Poole still in the starting lineup, 29 points, 8 assists, 5 of 10 from the three. Sheesh, sheesh. Clay Thompson, 21 points, three of eight from the three. Steph Curry coming off the bench, 34 points, four assists, five of 10 from the three. Splash triplets, get it done, folks. And they're kind of putting the league on notice, especially the Western Conference because, uh, yeah, Suns, I know y'all are great and all that, but uh, watch out for these triplets over here. Triplets plus one, triplets plus the defender, folks. We have a big three of just guards. I don't think we've ever gotten that. We've always had a big three that incorporates a big, like a forward or, or a center. But we have like a big three here of just guards. The Splash Triplets, Clay Thompson, Steph, Cor Steph Curry, Jordan Poole. That's a big three of their own, folks. Obviously, we can't leave out Draymond Green, so they have a true big four here. Is this the first official true big four? I know we have a, had a couple of like imitation big fours. I think we counted... Like James, I, I think we count like James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid, and Tobias Harris. I'll count that a big four, but is that as good as a big four compared to this Warriors team? I don't know, folks. I think I'd take the Warriors big four over the... It's tough, folks, but man, oh, man. Overall, Draymond Green getting it done in the splash triplet. So, gosh dang consistent. Once again, the bench numbers for this Warriors team. Steph Curry, 34 points. Namaja Jelica, 10 points. Gary Payton, 3 points. Juan Toscano Anderson, 3 points. Damian Lee, 4 points. So, even, even if you took Steph Curry of 34 points out of the equation, the Warriors still put up more bench points than the 76ers did. That is where we get concerned, folks. A big concern on the 76ers. All right, and then for the Nuggets last night, we had Jokic, 26 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists. 4 assists was the most assists on the team, folks. I mean, once again, I don't know if we should be blaming the Nuggets not performing well first-round series against the Warriors when Jokic absolutely has no other weapons here to work with. Aaron Gordon gave us 7 points last night, folks. What are we supposed to do with 7 points? 7 points, 3 assists, 5 rebounds on 1 of 4 from the 3 and 33% shooting on 9 shots what are we doing with that especially going against the Warriors with the splash triplets who can literally outshoot you in the first quarter and that be the game like they could have like a 50 point first quarter and then sit all their starters and win the game just cruise control to the finish that's a possibility for this Warriors team so the fact that we're not getting any production from Aaron Gordon here it's truly disappointing, even though he was great. Like, the final three games of the regular season, the man was giving us exactly what we wanted, 20-plus points, and we were kind of having a little bit more faith in Aaron Gordon, and here he is laying an egg in this playoff game, tarnishing Jokic's name a little bit. 
Not good. Not good. Everybody else trash as well. Uh, uh, Monte Morris, 12 points. We had Will Barton, 12 points, 10 rebounds. Coming off the bench, uh, more great production coming off the bench. We get Bones Highland, 12 points. We get Bryn Forbes playing 24 minutes, which we absolutely love. Thank goodness Bryn Forbes is seeing the floor. 10 points on 50% shooting. So Bryn Forbes, Bones Highland getting it done. Once again, more points than the 76ers coming off the bench. DeMarcus Cousins, 8 points off the bench. And Jamichael Green, uh, uh, 4.6 rebounds off the bench. Not shooting well, 14% on 7 shots. But overall, they, they need everybody just to be competitive. And they still weren't even really competitive last night. They lose by 20, 126 to 106. And then uh, shout out to ballislife.com on Twitter because they post a little bit of a highlight package of Jordan Poole during the first two games. So let's just watch and enjoy. I mean, just cooking on the three-point line, the shimmy. I mean, truly Steph Curry ask. And then look at that, the drive as well. The great three, the driving ability, the step back mid-range. Oh my goodness. We know Jordan Poole is so gosh dang good, folks. Um, I mean, uh, we've been talking about Jordan Poole all year long. Once again, in the starting lineup, deserves so much credit. Look at that pass to Clay Thompson. This deep ass three again here, able to lead the starters, lead the bench. Look at this. I mean, folks, 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 this is a starting point guard on any team. Look at this pass. Oh my goodness, folks, look at this behind the back dish to Clay Thompson. He's got the vision, he's got the swag, he's got the three. The deep, the close threes, it doesn't matter. The and ones getting fouled by Jokic on the three line three line and converting the four-point play. He does it all. Another transition three at the top of the key. He brings that same excitement, that same energy that Steph Curry and Klay Thompson do, folks. There's three. There's a big three of guards here in Golden State. Do you know how concerning that should be sounding to every other team in the NBA? folks no other team can match this no other team not even the Mavericks not even the Mavericks who live and die by the three look this good look this good there out on the floor folks so it's just brilliant folks this is just straight up brilliance by this Warriors team and how they've assembled it and just how well these players are able to play with each other on the floor. There's so much freedom here. Once again, Steve Kerr. Shout out to Steve Kerr. I don't know if any other coach would allow these players to play as freely as Lucy Goosey as just kind of so energetic as they play with. So we have to give uh, credit to Steve Kerr as well for allowing the freedom for these players to play like this, folks. Because we know we we can name so many coaches that would just be like, no, this is my way. I'm not letting y'all take these deep threes. That's a bad shot, quote unquote. Oh, that's a bad shot. Deep twos are quote unquote a bad shot. But not when you got great shot makers. Nothing's a bad shot with Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. And Steve Kerr does not hold any of these splash triplets back from what they're doing because he he um, he trusts them to make the right play. They're not just going to go and chuck up, you know, 53s from, you know, 50 feet away, folks. They're not going to do that. We saw that in this highlight package. Jordan Poole driving, making the better play, always looking for the best play with that lethal ability from three, and that's what makes all the splash triplets so dangerous because they're always looking for the best play. 
play. If it's driving, if it's a deep range three, it doesn't matter. But you know that would be the best play to call. And even Steph Curry was feeling it last night. Um, you know, a little bit of transition defense, uh, but he was the only one that pushed the pace. He was like, I I'm just kind of feeling it. So he outran all the Warriors players. It was like five on one. He's in the, fr uh, the front court and just launches a giant deep three and it goes and the crowd erupts folks. And it was kind of, uh, I want to say it was a uh, late second quarter, uh, when the Warriors were kind of establishing their lead. Cause once again, the Nuggets got out to a solid better start, um, and had a nice lead first quarter, a little bit into the second quarter but Steph Curry just got fed up at one point it was just like I just need to take a shot and just dribbled past everybody shot a three it went in and uh it, you're not coming back from that energy that energy there at that warrior stadium so Man, oh, man, the Warriors are so gosh dang good, folks. The big three shot him out. The big four shot him out. The splash bro the splash triplets, excuse me, shot him out. And Draymond Green just to play the defense. He's like, yeah, I'll hold it down on offense. I'll hold it down on defense. So we got three offenders, one defender, and that's all the Warriors needed to have uh, to win by 20. Easy peasy. Warriors get to win 126 to 106 and looking good while doing so, folks. Alrighty, with all that being said, we've got games on tonight, folks, so let's keep this money train rolling, and folks, we've been absolutely killing it on our picks, on our bets, and how we order our bets, and all that, folks, making money, so let's keep on doing that. Another three-game slate tonight in the NBA, uh, which unfortunately does not include Celtics Nets, I know, folks, I'm sorry as well, but let's see if we can make a little bit more money tonight as well with these three playoff games so and see if the lines have changed any so here we go first game up Hawks at the heat Hawks plus seven heat minus seven and once again yes sir you better believe I'm swallowing seven here with the heat the series is over we told y'all yesterday to bet uh the heat win four zero it's at plus 300 go secure the odds now the Hawks will not win tonight if they win a game it will be at home but they're not winning on the road here so here we go. Let's check the ins and outs. I don't even care, but let's just have it on the record here. For the Hawks, we get Clint Capella still out, Lou Williams still out, and Bogdan Bogdanovich, a game-time decision. And we know Bogdan Bogdanovich has been a little bit of a savior here for this Hawks team. So if he's even out, man, oh, man, folks, and look at this. It's only minus seven. Why is this not higher? I don't understand why this is not a 10, 10 and a half, 11 points, Brad. With the highest that we've seen so far in the playoffs is 10 and a half. Uh, the Bucks was minus 10 and a half game one against the Bulls, and the Suns were minus 10.5 game one against the Pelicans. That's the highest spread we've seen so far in this year's playoff. And the Heat are still only minus 7. Bump that up. Bump it up. Bump it up to 9.5. Minus 9.5. If you want to have fun with it, minus 14.5. Get some better odds, folks. This is going to be another blowout. The Hawks will not be able to keep up pace scoring with the Heat anyway by 3 by down low in the paint. There's no way this Hawks team can, can compete with the Heat, especially at home. And then for the Heat, uh, Bam Adebayo is a game-time decision. Hopefully, he's good to go. But even if he doesn't go, I don't care because the Hawks don't have a big either. And I'll trust the deep ability, the depth ability of this Heat team to overcome their not Bam Adebayo beef. So, Bam Adebayo, game-time decision. P.J. Tucker, game-time decision. Gabe Vincent, game-time decision. Dwayne Dedman, game-time decision. Markeith Morris, game-time decision. So, most of their role players, their bench players, potential game-time decisions. But the starting core is there. Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, 
Tyler here off the bench, Duncan Robson off the bench, which is fantastic, and this Heat team at home that's able to rock and feed off that home crowd. It's not as good as the Warriors home stadium, but it's still pretty good, and once again, they've got a great head coach in Eric Spolster, a coach of the year finalist this year, this Heat team. Remember, folks, this is a number one seed in the Eastern Conference. The Hawks have taken a step back. This is not last year's Hawks when they were winning in the playoffs and having clutch shots and big threes, and Trey Young was performing well ever every single game. This is not the same Hawks team. This is a 1-8 matchup, folks. Heat minus 7. Bet that. Bet that. Bet that. Absolutely. Heat minus 7. Easy value. All right, here we go. Next game up, we got the Timberwolves at the Grizzlies, and this line did not change any from game one to game two, even though the Timberwolves came in with the upset. Wow, wow, wow. The spread is still Timberwolves plus six and a half, Grizzlies minus six and a half, and I think I'm liking the Timberwolves here, folks. I think I want to take the points here. Once again, see how the game plays out, but I think I want to see it play out from the other way. Timberwolves plus Plus six and a half, which we, uh, we actually did take that. Excuse me. We took that game one. Yes, Timberwolves plus the six and a half. And I think I'm, uh, again, ready to take the plus six and a half again. We have to see this Grizzlies team perform. There's a lot of pressure on this Grizzlies team. They're, I mean, they played into it, you know, with jo with no John Moran. John Moran was on social media, you know, talking about the team. This Grizzlies team is feeding into their own hype a little bit. And we know that's never the best thing to do. So the Grizzlies are going to have to prove that they can win in the playoffs against this scrappy Timberwolves team. I mean, the Timberwolves are bringing it defensively and we know defense has kind of been getting it done in this playoffs so far there hasn't been that many like truly high scoring games we've seen kind of uh, from the game ones to the game twos a little bit of a more lock in mentality more defensive mentality so this is all helping the Timberwolves tonight and once again we get plus six and a half I love it everybody's going to go for the Timberwolves besides Teron Prince who is a game time decision and then for the Grizzlies Killian Tilly's out and uh, Santi Aldama is a game time decision so basically everybody's going to go for both these teams so I'm going to take the plus six and a half here with the Timberwolves. Anthony Edwards is on his bullshit playoff game number one. Carl Anthony Towns going against Steven Adams. That is a mismatch. Yes, Steven Adams is good defensively, but he's not Draymond Green defensively locking up Jokic, folks, okay? And Steven Adams isn't an offensive big, so that's just a uh, freaking plain and simple um, advantage for this Timberwolves team. And once again, we get plus six and a half. I'm loving it, folks. Loving it. Definitely taking the Timberwolves with the points again here tonight. Alrighty, and then here we go. Game, last game of the night here. Pelicans and the Suns. And this spread comes down. This is the spread that comes down. What? What? Heat, uh, heat came down half a point, I think. I think the Heat ended up minus 7.5. So that came down half a point. The Timberwolves didn't move any, even though they won. I don't, I was kind of expecting this to go down to, like, Timberwolves plus 5.5. Or maybe even, like, Timberwolves plus 6. But damn, to keep it the same. Okay, thank you, Vegas. But this spread is the one that moves. This one? Pelicans at the Suns. Pelicans plus 9.5. Suns minus 9.5. This one comes down to full point. Even though this one covered game one. Suns won by 11? 
Wow, wow, well, we'll take it. Suns minus nine and a half. And I know the Pelicans kind of, you know, had a second life in game number one, but is that going to happen again? Are the Suns going to allow that to happen again? Is Valanchunas going to have 25 rebounds again just to lose by 11? I don't think so, folks. So I think uh, Vegas is once again being generous, not moving the spread here. And this is where we truly have to take advantage before the switch from, uh, you know, uh, from home to home. When, you know, the Pelicans, Pelicans go home for game number three, and uh, we may, we actually may get better value there because the Suns may come down to like maybe minus eight and a half, minus seven and a half on the road. But we have to take advantage of these great spreads before these teams, you know, dominating game number two. And then Vegas has to kind of refigure out the spread line and all that. So truly take advantage when you can here in the playoffs before Vegas kind of gets, uh, gets uh, smart, gets smart on actually how these series are being played out. Uh, Suns minus nine and a half, absolutely. Let's check the ins and outs here. Uh, everybody's going to go for the Pelicans, which is great, and Dario Sherrick is still out for the Suns, not expecting him to really play this uh, playoff postseason. But yeah, Suns minus nine and a half. DeAndre Ayton able to lock up. Chris Paul having that ability to flick that switch to go manic and to be aggressive offensively and all that in the fourth quarter. Pelicans are all going to have to play exactly how they played game number one and more and more. And I don't know if they can do that here. Uh, it was a great effort, a great valiant effort by the Pelicans that you know we did applaud Valanchunas for. But overall, at the end of the day, this is still a mismatch, and I'm still not believing in this Pelicans team to cover nine and a half. We'll swallow nine and a half with the Suns. Suns minus nine and a half. Alrighty, so here it is, folks. We got three great games. Loving all the values tonight. There is no kind of, you know, jazz game where we weren't uh, feeling the best on that. Uh, we're loving all these, folks, tonight. Heat minus 7.5, Timberwolves plus the 6.5, and, and the Suns minus 9.5. Loving all of it tonight, folks. Great value. Best value of the night is uh, Heat minus 7. Absolutely. Absolutely. Best bet of the night is Heat minus 7. Alrighty, that is all the NBA we had to go over for today. So now let's shift gears to the NFL and start talking about some of these great stories, folks, that we're going to get more insight on and a little bit of why we were right and uh, seeing what that new information is, why we are right on some of our early off-season NFL takes. So, here we go. A lot of people are talking, and we're all here for it. Well, uh, before we get to it, I forgot I had this up here. Troy Palabalu. It, it, uh, today is his birthday. So, NFL. At NFL's Twitter account, they post a highlight package of Troy Palamalu. And I know we've seen some of these before, and we talked about Troy Palamalu on the show. But just a freakish athlete, folks. I mean, look at all these highlights diving at the ball. Literally inches off the ground to secure the interception. This one's my favorite. Jumping over the jumping over the entire offensive line well first counting the snap count then jumping over the offensive line on the goal line to sack the quarterback because before he can even think about what actually was happening I mean Troy Palomalo just a freakish athlete probably my favorite defender growing up um, now we've got you know Tyron Matthew and we've got um, I mean we've got so many great ones Tyron Matthew great safeties I'm talking about Tyron Matthew we've got uh, um, where are those other ones? They're not coming to me. I don't know why. Uh, Tyron Matthew, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, so gosh dang great. Um, and man, oh man, they really kind of, uh, they, they help, they help ease 
not having no Troy Palomalu because this man was just a freak athlete, folks, all over the field. And Tyron Matthew, Minka Fitzpatrick, a little, a little. I don't think they're as athletically gifted as Troy Palomalu is, but they're definitely up there, and they definitely, uh, yeah, they definitely. Man, I'm just watching Troy Palomalo, folks. It's just so fantastic. But shout out to Troy Palomalo. Happy birthday. A legend of the game. Super Bowl winner. Got all of his accolades. Absolutely fantastic. And Tyron Matthew, Minka Fitzpatrick, Jamal Adams trying to uh, do the position proud. Do the name proud a little bit out here. So happy birthday to Troy Palomalo. Love it, folks. Man, oh, man. I could watch his highlights all day, folks. They're just incredible. Jaw-dropping. This is athleticism, folks. Man, oh, man. All right, now let's get into all these great stories. Yes, and the first one up, love hearing this, folks. Once again, Cowboys fans must temper down their expectations of this upcoming season because I do not have them winning the division. I think the Eagles can easily win that division. And once again, we have the Cowboys winning three to four games this year. And I think Dalton Schultz agrees. So here we go. Cowboys tight end. Dalton Schultz say, saying this, we were a better offense with Amari Cooper. Yes, of course you were. Why didn't you pay him Jerry Jones? Jerry Jones really needs to be forced to sell the team because he is not helping this team any he thinks he knows all obviously he doesn't we know this and uh, Dalton Schultz saying yeah we're a better offense with Amari Cooper yes yes CeeDee Lamb we've got no believability that CeeDee Lamb can be a number one receiver on this Cowboys team we like CeeDee Lamb we're not trying to be disrespectful or knock him but I don't believe he's ready to take the next step to be a number one he's really gonna have to put in the work this offseason to try to prove he can and it's gonna be a big proof and a big ask because there's already big um, expectations on the Cowboys just because they're the Cowboys and then when you look at their division just optically nobody's giving any respect to the Giants yet or Washington people are still reluctant to give any credit to the Eagles so optically from kind of the media and the fan standpoint the Cowboys division is trash this is a home run easy win for the Cowboys so if they're struggling early on it's just going to exacerbate all of this for this Cowboys team so they really Really have to come in right off the rip and get it done. So, CeeDee Lamb, better get to work and, and make sure you're right right off the rip week one. But let's see what Dalton Schultz is saying here. Great tight end. We love Dalton Schultz. Um, and, uh, yeah, shout out to tight end university. So, let's see what he's saying here, what his reasons are, and what the words he's using. So, let's uh, read the first lead up here to the first quote. The Dallas Cowboys offense lost arguably its best weapon by trading Amari Cooper and his $20 million contract to Cleveland. It's only $20 million? It's like that's what wide receivers are asking for. Debo Samuel wants $25 a year. Devontae Adams just got $29 a year. You don't want to pay him $20 million this year? That's too much? It's like what else are you getting? What are you getting at that price point? Nothing good. Not an elite number one receiver. So once again, why? Why? We, we heard that Jerry Jones wanted to allocate that money to something better, but then we heard that they're still looking for a wide receiver and we'll pay a little bit. So it just never added up to us. So thank you, Dalton Schultz, because we've been getting a little killed. I don't think anybody's agreed. I don't think anybody's agreed with us on our Cowboys take. A lot of people are like, three wins. What are you crazy? No, I'm telling you, three, four wins. Three, four wins. That's all we can really see for this Cowboys team. 
So here we go. Hopefully Dalton Schultz can make it easier for y'all to see that we know what we're talking about. And we are the ones right here. So here we go. Tight end Dalton Schultz noted Monday that loss opens the door for others saying, quote, we're a better offense with Cooper. Unfortunately, we don't have him. And so I think the next step is having guys step up. I think there's room to grow in a bunch of other aspects of the game. So there is another wide receiver that we are big on, Semi Fayoko. This was kind of our uh, find last year when we were watching all those uh, draft picks and all that. We just stumbled upon Semi Fayoko while we were watching, I believe, the Stanford's quarterback, who I don't think panned out. I can't even remember the Stanford quarterback's name, but that's who we watched, and we ended up seeing Semi Fayoko, and we loved him. So if Semi Fayoko, who is on the Cowboys, they did draft him, if he could step up, that'd be great, but we really didn't even see him all last year. Not even in Hard Knocks. He got no burn on Hard Knocks, which was crazy. So we don't even know if Semi is good. I'm hoping he's good in the league. He looked great. He looked like he can kind of be a number one, go up and get it receiver, go up and high point the ball. I think he's 6'2", solid height there. Um, but we have to see how he pans out. All right, any other quotes here? All right, one more quote here, and it's kind of interesting that Dalton Schultz said that, uh, you know, we were, we we are a better offense with Cooper. After we already left, I mean, you know, once again, we don't really hear a lot of coaches or players or owners kind of, you know, talk bad about their team and say, hey, we kind of got a lot of worse. I mean, the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Patrick Holmes are all like, yeah, you know, we don't have Tyreek Hill, but we don't really care. <laughs> it's like, that's not going to make us worse. I mean, nobody's saying, hey, we're a worse team without Tyreek Hill there, but that's what's coming out of this Cowboys locker room early on this offseason so far once again th this is another reason why we can't get big on the Cowboys we have players on their team actively saying yeah we're worse because we lost a player no other team has said anything like that when they've lost a player this year the 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 Seahawks lost Russell Wilson you don't hear DK Metcalf saying hey you know we're worse without Russell Wilson no he says hey I got to be the leader now now that clears the way for me to step up and be the leader that's what people say when a player leaves hey I can get more production I can be a bigger leader here and Dalton Schultz could have a more increased role in the offense with Amari, without Amari Cooper but here he is saying hey we're worse without Amari Cooper what what is confidence is that folks none one second folks excuse us So, folks, I mean, uh, y'all can, you know, keep your head, you know, dug in the dirt like those ostriches do, which is kind of crazy, don't you think? Like, they just stick their head in the dirt. Flamingos, ostriches, one of them. I think it's ostriches. Uh, just kind of crazy. But y'all could be an ostrich. Put the head in the dirt, folks. It's not looking good for the Cowboys. There has not been one thing this offseason where we're like, yeah, this is, yeah, the Cowboys, they're good. They're going to be good this year. They were underperforming last year, folks. We all must realize this. They underperformed last year. These coaches are not good. Stop it with the Kellen Moore, folks. I don't understand why he gets so so much praise. He's underperforming as an offensive coordinator with all this great talent. Ezekiel Elliott with um the other back, Tony Pollard. I mean, that's so explosive. What have they done? What have they done to e expose that explosiveness for the team? We had the 49ers experiment with Debo Samuel. We, Kellen Moore never experimented with the great running backs and the great plethora of wide receivers that they had. But everybody's saying it like loves Kellen Moore. We n I never got that, folks, truly. And now everybody wants Kellen Moore to be a head coach. I'm like, what? Why? Why? Another second, folks. Excuse us. <laughs>
Copy. All right, so yeah, if uh, we there's just no selling point. There's no buy. Well, there's a lot of selling points, uh, but there's no buying points for us on this Cowboys team so far this offseason. So not looking good, folks. Not at all. And then the last thing right here, one final quote. Let's see what it says. Last lead up. While the tag ensures Schultz is in Dallas for 2022, the tight end hopes sides can work out a long-term solution by the July 15th deadline saying this, quote, I want to work out a long-term deal, and I think they do too. I hope we can get that done. So that's going to be the next thing, folks. Are they taking care of their own players? Dalton Schultz doesn't want to be on the franchise tag. Unfortunately, he is. And they have till July 15th to get a long-term deal done before he truly has to play under the tag for the year. So that's going to be the next disappointing thing that we see. Um, uh, Dalton Schultz and the Cowboys do not reach an agreement this year. He plays under the tag. July 15th. That'll be the next date until there's another story about one of their teammates saying how bad they are now this will be the next date where we're like hey another black mark on this Cowboys offseason folks you better get prepared for three and uh three and 14 four and 13 folks bet it right now once again can we uh do we talk about this before um let's go to it yeah what, what was it nine and a half under ten and a half wins is that what it is uh let's quickly go back here Let's go to football. Their win totals. What do we got with the Cowboys' win totals? Regular season wins. Here we go. Cowboys. What are they at? I believe, what was it? Ten and a half, I think. Yeah, ten and a half. Bet the under ten and a half. Once again, we wanted y'all to uh, make it so it keeps dropping, but this is staying at under ten and a half here, folks. So go and still hammer this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not buying the Cowboys at all, folks. Not buying the Cowboys. It's going to be an interesting season because everybody is buying the Cowboys. And once they realize we shouldn't have been buying the Cowboys, y'all know how Cowboys fans are, folks. It's going to get a little, um, it's going to get funny. It will be, it will be funny, but uh, y'all need to, you know, prepare for it. Y'all need to prepare for it. So nothing good by this Cowboys team, folks. I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all, I'm telling y'all. All right, next thing up here, and okay, all right, now, you know, we've been kind of saying, hey, Jimmy G is probably going to be the quarterback for the 49ers here, but this does speak the other way, so okay, maybe we're not 100% confident that Jimmy G stays a 49er this season, but I do still give it the, the majority of our percentage points here, but we get this, 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo won't report for start of voluntary offseason program. Now, it may not seem like that big of a deal, but if Jimmy Garoppolo truly, like, wanted to stay here and it was kind of up in the air whether he was going to stay or go maybe he could still win this team around to keep him here then he probably would 100% still go but him not reporting still leaves it up in the air that you know he is not going to be the quarterback this year but we'll see what happens here I don't really see Jimmy Garoppolo going to the Panthers. I really don't want him to go to the Panthers because he will fade into oblivion there. He will not have success, unfortunately. Will not be able to overcome Matt Rule and that uh, Panthers organization overall. So, Jimmy Garoppolo not reporting for voluntary workouts this season. All righty, all righty. That's a win for y'all. That's a win for y'all. We've been knocking y'all. Y'all 49ers fan the last few days here. So, this is a win for y'all here. So, enjoy the win. This is the only win that y'all are going to have. But, you know, I'll let y'all enjoy this win. So, no Jimmy Garoppolo at the start of voluntary offseason programs. 
All righty, let's go to this one. We're hearing from Tom Brady for about the first time since he unretired from retirement. So let's see what Tom Brady's saying here. If he's feeling good for the season, can we bet on Tom Brady to win this year? Are we expecting a better season than he gave us last season, which was his best statistical season ever? So here we go. Tom Brady on coming out of retirement says, quote, I do think physically I'll be able to do it. I just feel like there was still a place for me on the field. So yeah, once again, that's always what Tom Brady says. Hey, if I know I can still get out there physically on the field, then that is what I would do. I would still go for it. He never really wanted to retire. Once again, we never really bought into, hey, I just want to see my family and all that. Now that we're getting more information about the season, seems like he was just kind of playing the long game here, retiring. So Bruce Arians is forced into the front office because it doesn't didn't seem like Tom Brady and Bruce Arians really saw eye to eye on how things should really work. Um... So Tom Brady retires and be like, hey, I'll retire. I don't care retiring, but I'll come back if you know Bruce Arians is not here. So that happened, and then we had the whole story about Tom Brady wanting to kind of be a Miami Dolphin and all that. So it did seem like Tom Brady used retirement for leverage. And once again, absolutely, I've got no problem with any player using everything at their disposal, whether it's threatening retirement or actually retiring and everything like that. Get leverage and use it. But you have to get the leverage first. Tom Brady, even you know getting all those rings that was not enough leverage for him to force Bruce Arians into the front office he had to retire so for all these young quarterbacks out here that are demanding contracts and demanding respect and praise Kyler Murray Baker Mayfield Sam Darnold play first good get that leverage and then do what you're doing it's gonna work out a lot better for y'all in the long run I guarantee it y'all must get leverage first y'all are trying to negotiate with no leverage okay you gotta get the leverage yes so Tom Brady got the leverage came back now let's see what he's saying here so here we go first lead up to the first quote says this the 44-year-old Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback told Tom Van Haren of ESPN that despite retiring for 40 days he never questioned whether he could still physically 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 play because once again he was using retirement as leverage so here he goes I mean folks we all saw the numbers we saw the numbers of course we knew he could play and if we knew he could still play he knew he could still play so once again this was all leverage folks what we know what bad quarterback play looks like we know what exiting the league quarterback play looks like we have examples we have Peyton Manning noodle arm those stats were atrocious nine touchdowns awful 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 and we have Big Ben the last two years so we know what what bad level of quarterback decay like these yeah we're all decaying it's unfortunate these quarterbacks are decaying actively we've seen decaying quarterbacks play it looks atrocious Tom Brady is not decaying at all 5,500 yards 67 percent completion percentage 55 touchdowns it's stupid folks it's stupid so, of course, the man is still good. But he says this, quote, I knew my body physically could still do what it could do, and obviously I have a love for the game. I think I'll always have a love for the game. I do think physically I'll be able to do it. I just felt there was still a place for me on the field. Yeah, once again, I'm not really buying this. I'm not buying, oh, I, I just felt, I took 40 days off, and I just felt good, so I came back. No, no, no. It was all about leverage, folks. We know this now. What else does Tom Brady got for us? Here we go. Final lead up to the final quote. 
it's clear that Brady is addicted to competition and couldn't stand on the sideline knowing he he still could, can contend with players two decades his junior. But TB12 did admit to Van Heron that he knows the end is nearing so he wants to wring all the sweat out of the rag before finally quitting for real saying quote I know I don't have a lot left I really do I know I'm at the end of my career I wish you could go forever truly us as well I would love to see Tom Brady play for the rest of my life absolutely I wish you could go forever but it's just not and football comes at too high of a cost now my kids are getting older and it's just getting harder and harder to miss these things but I I wanted to give myself and my teammates in our organization another incredible opportunity to uh, to accomplish something that we'd all be very proud of. There it is. There it is. We are getting our wish, folks. That tells you everything right there. But I wanted to give myself and my teammates in our organization another incredible opportunity. This is it, folks. This is his farewell season. This is his farewell tour. This is where he will get praise every single game. He may come out and flat out say it and I kind of hope he does it's not in true Tom Brady fashion to kind of you know have the retirement tour we heard him say that when he actually did retire this season hey you know I don't need the tour I don't need the acknowledgement all that uh, but we'll see if Tom Brady a little bit closer. He won't do it right now. He'll do it maybe like uh, a, a few weeks, like week two, three weeks max before the start of the regular season where he'll, where he'll come out and announce, hey, this is my last ride. Or he'll do the Big Ben thing where, you know, nobody's really talking about it until halfway into the season. And then it all kind of starts to leak out. Hey, this is my last ride officially, all that. And then, you know, Big Ben had a little bit, a tad bit of a farewell tour the final five, six, seven weeks of the season. A little bit, mini. So we'll see which Tom Brady route he takes, but this is seeming like his farewell tour, so we will act accordingly this season, and we will try to really not knock him at all. I mean, if this is going to be your last season and you gave us everything, I mean, he's got nothing left to accomplish, not like Aaron Rodgers who needs one more ring. Uh, we would be on, If this was Aaron Rodgers last year, we'd be on him to get that last ring, but Tom Brady here, I think we're just going to enjoy the ride. Whatever he gives us, we'll take it, and we won't knock anything. So I think this is the no-knock year for Tom Brady. He's earned it. And uh, man, oh man, it's going to be a great year. So Tom Brady, most likely last year, but he is here for one more year. So we can all we can all take it in one final time and not try to take it for granted. Yes. All right, here we go. Another story up here, and this one's going to be interesting. This is the one I'm truly interested in here. We're talking Cardinals, folks. A.J. Green, who they re-signed, which we didn't love. After he dropped or he, after he didn't catch that ball against Green Bay, I could not trust this man again. I don't know if he if he didn't overcome that, and I don't know if he could overcome that um, during last season. So it would have been done for me. A.J. Green a little bit past his prime, aging out of the league, not kind of competing against the Packers that was a big game at the time they were still undefeated Packers coming into town all that and he beefs the game I don't know if there's any coming back from that once again like Carson Wentz there's no coming back from that Jaguars loss you must cut him so the fact that the Cardinals brought AJ Green back we thought was a little interesting the fact that they're paying AJ Green and not paying Kyler Murray is even more interesting and now we're hearing from AJ Green and this does not once again this is not good for Kyler Murray Kyler Murray has zero leverage and everything coming out is just negating all the all of all of his future leverage if he gets any 
So here we go. AJ Green admits chemistry with Kyler Murray wasn't great in 2021, saying, quote, there is a lot of room for growth in Kyler Murray, you know, kind of, you know, holding out a little bit, not trying, you know, not, I don't even know if he's going to go to voluntary uh, workouts and all that, but there is chemistry issues that are still arising even one full year together, even with no DeAndre Hopkins, the back end of the season, their chemistry still not improved, still not in, still did not increase. This is a problem. How did you go a full year and there's still a lot of room for growth? I know after one year, there's still room for growth, but a lot of room for growth? Quote, there's a lot of room for growth. So this is not good. This does not speak to the leadership of Kyler Murray, to the dedication of Kyler Murray that, you know, he's asking for by wanting and demanding all that money. If we're going to pay you all that money, I need to see leadership. I need to see determination. I got to see the wins and the skills, obviously. But, you know, those two are big factors. And if you're telling me that you did not get on the same page the entire season with A.J. Green, that's a problem. And you want all this money. It's not that we're mad that Kyler Murray asked for the money. He was doing it with no leverage. So let's see what... AJ Green saying here, who is on the team this year, folks. Once again, he got re-signed to a one-year deal. Nothing big, but he's still here. So here we go. Let's lead, let's read the first lead up to the first quote. Upon signing his new one-year deal with the Cardinals, Green said he knows his chemistry with quarterback Kyler Murray needs work, saying, quote, there is a lot of room for growth. For me, it's communicating with him what I see and what he wants me to do and how he wants me to run this particular route. I think last year there was a, there was a lacking on my part. I didn't really communicate with him about stuff like that because I didn't want to put a lot of stuff on his plate. Uh, that's stupid. Um, that's a cop out of an answer. Hey, you know, I, it was my fault, but I just didn't want to put too much on his plate. I don't like that at all. So once again, I don't like, I, I don't know if I like AJ Green as a receiver. Screw the whole Kyler Murray thing. I don't know if I would have, I wouldn't have brought AJ Green back because of that drop, but now I'm getting this. You didn't want to get it done because you didn't want to put too much on his plate. Well, with no DeAndre Hopkins, there's a lot of uh, room on the plate for stuff. So yeah, you should have done it at least in the back end of the year at minimum. And he never even did that. Damn, okay, so now I'm not liking A.J. Green now, okay, uh, but uh, back to the quote, quote, for me, it's being more in his face, talking together, A.J., you need to do this better, and I'm like, okay, I've got to do this better, don't be hesitant when it comes to my play, A.J., you need to pick this up, the second year is going to be big for that, so he's saying, hey, I need to work on my communication, A.J. Green wants Kyler Murray to kind of be like, hey, A.J., we need to do this better, um, you know, kind of, you know, point out what he's doing wrong, so A.J., you know, wanting to kind of take ownership for the lack of communication last year, but also kind of wants more vocality, being vocal from Kyler Murray. So Kyler Murray not being vocal, not kind of getting those communications, not being that leader, that's why they're not really kind of wanting to pay you all that money that you're wanting. This is not good, folks. This is not a good look for this Cardinals team. All right, and I will say a little bit, we do kind of take a little bit of the pressure off of Kyler Murray because A.J. Green was kind of admitting fault here. So this is not all on Kyler Murray. We know this now, but it's still a little bit on Kyler Murray. And the bigger problem is now A.J. Green, he's still on your team. So, yeah, it's better not be just talk here because if they're not getting it done in the season. We know this was just all talk at the end of the day. He never really worked on it. And once again, can you teach an old dog new tricks? What do we get? A.J. Green's, what, 33, 32, 31? 
at minimum. I mean, aging out of this league a little bit, so can't teach the old dog new tricks. Was he communicating with A.J. Green? Or not A.J. Green. Was he communicating with Andy Dalton any of those years in Cincinnati? Or is that why they were lackluster? Because A.J. Green just wasn't communicating with Andy Dalton. What was it now? So, I'm not liking it here, folks. I'm not liking it here. Cardinals, Cowboys. It's not looking too optimistic for y'all. Last uh, lead up to the last quote. Here we go. On an episode of Big Red Rage set to air Thursday on Arizona Sports 98.7, Green said it was, quote, fair to question whether he and Murray were on the same page, saying, quote, that's fair. That is 100% fair. I felt the same way. That's where I have to be accountable. I need to go to him and tell him what I see and him tell me what he needs me to do better. I can take it. A.J. Green, run that route at this depth. You need to do this. I'm no bigger than the team. I need him to communicate with me, and I'll do the same. So both need to work on their communication. And just once again, Kyler Murray, why did you think you were going to get all this money? This receiver is seeing, hey, there's no communication here. You don't think Cliff Kingsbury is seeing this? You don't think they're talking with all these players? You don't think they're just hearing it from the grapevine? Hey, you know, Kyler Murray is not the most vocal leader. I mean, folks, folks, you've got to have some leverage. You've got to see. And, folks, we're not holding any of these players to any higher standards. Patrick Mahomes, we just know that man's a leader. We can see it from his face. We can see how everybody responds to him, how they all respect him. And we can hear it from the field. We hear that man shouting all the time, energizing his bench all the time, down big, down bad. We see him on the sideline getting his uh, teammates pumped up. Have you ever seen that by Kyler Murray? I don't know. If we have, it's not as much as we see from Patrick Mahomes. And once again, Patrick Mahomes is the one that set this all in motion. 10-year, $500 million, craziest contract in all of football, maybe in all of sports. Got everybody acting different. Get your leverage first, though, folks. That's the key thing. Get your leverage first. Do not negotiate with no leverage. And so far, Kyler Murray, everything that's coming out, there's no leverage to be had. So... AJ Green, Kyler Murray going to work on their communication uh, this season, and hopefully it's better last season because AJ Green truly let us down last year. We were big time into him. We were big time on that Cardinals team. We really thought AJ Green was going to kind of move the needle for this Cardinals team, and this is what was going to kind of move them um, kind of over the hump a little bit. They're still a little bit in the hump. They're still young, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, but they still need to get over the hump of a first playoff round win being always dom uh, consistently competitive in the division. <sighs> Kyler, come on, man. Come on. We'll see how A.J. Green does this year. All righty. Here we go. Let's keep going on here. Next story up. Patrick Mahomes says Miko Harmon, quote-unquote, doesn't have to be Tyree Kill. All right. Let's see why. Let's hear why because, you know, to say somebody doesn't need to be Tyree Kill, and I know, I, you know, there is speed, and speed is good. You know, there is a lot of speed in the NFL, but there's not Tyree Kill speed, folks. Once again, there can only be one fastest receiver in the NFL and or just fastest player in the NFL in general, and I think Tyree Kill may be it, so. Let's see what Patrick Mahomes is saying here. Once again, everybody staying cool as a cucumber here in Kansas City without Tyreek Hill. Nobody's panicking. You know, nobody's saying, hey, we're worse now like Dalton Schultz did. So, you know, not looking good for the Cowboys, but it looking good here for the Chiefs. So, let's read uh, the quote here. We're going to, uh, well, we can hear from Andy Reid. Are we hearing from Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes? Is this right? Oh, look at this. We get both. So, let's hear from the coach first. Here we go. 
All right, the trade of Tyreek Hill to Miami opens the door in Kansas City for a new alpha in the receiving core. The additions of Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling will help paper over the loss of the Speedy Hill, but the Chiefs also need former second-round pick Miko Harmon to make a leap in year four. So here we go, Andy Reid's take on Miko Harmon saying, quote, the one nice thing we is we know what Miko can do. We have a lot of confidence in what he can do. He's coming off of a good year. He's got to continue to grow here over the next couple of years here. Miko has the speed to be like a Tyler. Miko has the speed like a Tyreek had, different player, but like what Tyreek had. He gives you a nice skill set there with the speed and the quickness and the ability to run when the ball is in his hands. He's a very aggressive runner when the ball is in his hands. You find ways to do that in a variety of different ways. So Andy Reid's not worried about the speed, but once again, there's more than just speed with Tyreek Hill. He goes up and plays the ball like a DeAndre Hopkins. He'll go up and contest and hype point the ball folks he can jump he's got some hops on him he's not just a one-trick speedster out here all right here we go now let's hear about what Patrick Mahomes has to say here we go his lead up to the quote in three seasons in Kansas City, Hardman has generated 1,700 yards on 126 receptions with 12 touchdowns. Last year, he netted a career-high 59 catches for 693 yards with two scores. Quote here by Patrick Mahomes says this, I think whenever Mecole has gotten opportunities in this offense, whether it was when Tyreek had to go out or he would come in and run the routes that Tyreek ran, he would make plays happen. He made a lot of big plays and big moments, especially at the end of last season so for me um it's for him to just continue to be himself he doesn't have to be Tyreek Hill he has to be Miko Harmon and I think Miko Harmon can be a great player in this offense he's a he's made a pro bowl already and I think he can keep getting better and better everybody puts out there he's got to replace Tyreek I think he can be his own player a pro bowler and a great player in this offense as well I think just him continuing to evolve play hard in practice he'll have a great season this year so once again nobody is burning down the Chiefs stadium after losing Tyreek Hill. Dalton Schultz saying, hey, we're worse without him. What? I mean, folks, could you imagine if Patrick Mahomes came out and said, yeah, we're worse without Tyreek Hill? We'd be concerned now on the, on the, um, the Chiefs. We, we're, we're not concerned at all on the Chiefs. Everything that we're hearing, hey, oh yeah, no big deal. We've we've already read like four quotes by Andy Reid on Tyreek Hill already about, you know, losing him. And not one, not one was there like a hint of nervousness about this upcoming season, about not having Tyreek Hill and maybe even having to go against them in a potential AFC championship or maybe even just a regular uh, playoffs game in general against him because he's still in the AFC. There is no worry over here with the Chiefs, folks. They are 100% confident in moving on, moving forward without, without Tyreek Hill. Dalton Schultz, though, and the Cowboys, oh, we're worse without him. I'm telling y'all, folks, I can't stress it enough, folks. I've got no good feelings on the Cowboys. Uh, maybe y'all will see it. I'm trying to guide y'all. I'm trying to show you the light. It makes total clear sense to me. Trying to show y'all, trying to sh save y'all the heartache. Let's prepare. Yes, we've got a couple of months so we can prepare for the Cowboys to not be good this year. Man, oh, man. But Chiefs, Patrick Holmes, Andy Reid, eh, no. So, okay, y'all are acting like Tyreek Hill was good. Y'all thought Tyreek Hill was good? Y'all thought that was good? Pfft. 
We don't need that. We can go without that. No problem. No worries. No sweat. Y'all heard of Miko Harmon? Yeah, they get used to that name. Screw Tyreek Hill. We got a Miko Harmon. It's like uh, the Avengers. Oh, uh, I forgot what it was. Uh, you you got a what? Oh, we got a Hulk. Well, well we got a Hulk. What do you got? What do you, you got Tyreek Hill. We got Miko Harmon. We got a we got a Hulk over here. What are you talking Tyreek Hill to us? What you talking about? Stop it. So, Chiefs. Looking good, folks. Everything's good and cool as a cucumber there in Kansas City. Alrighty, here we go. Next one up. Uh, maybe our last one, but we'll see. Here we go. Malcolm Butler returning to the Patriots, which was crazy, but a great life lesson right here for everybody involved. Everybody involved, not involved, listening, watching. Great life lesson right here. Malcolm Butler on the return of the Patriots saying, quote, one thing I learned is you never burn your bridges. And that's exactly it. Me, Malcolm Butler had a, a little bit of every right, a little bit of every right to kind of blow up that bridge with the Patriots. The Man literally single-handedly won you a ring, single-handedly helped Tom Brady's legacy, single-handedly kept that Patriots dynasty alive with that interception of Russell Wilson on the goal line, single-handedly secured a ring, and then, you know, he played the following year with the Patriots, but then after that year, they cut him. I mean, he had every right to be salty, to kind of subtweet on Twitter, to go off on Twitter, to go on a podcast and be like, hey, I demand more respect, this is ridiculous, blah, 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 but he didn't do any of that. He went to more teams, he went to the Titans, I think he went with the Cardinals, you know, played around, and now he's back at home with the Patriots. One thing I learned is you never burn your bridges. Wise, wise wisdom being spoken here by Malcolm Butler. So let's uh, let's uh, pay him some respect here and read all these quotes for more wisdom. Is there more wisdom by the almighty uh, Malcolm Butler, folks? Here we go. Let's see what we get here. Here we go. First, lead up to the first quote. In the year since his Super Bowl, what is that? LII? What do we got there? 52? Super Bowl 52? I think so. In his year since his Super Bowl 52 benching, quarterback, yeah, he did get benched in the following Super Bowl. That was it. That was, again, it. Yeah, absolutely. They benched it. They didn't even play him in the Super Bowl, folks, and they lost, right? That was against the, uh, the uh, Eagles? The following time against the Eagles, I believe that was the case. So yeah, damn, absolutely had every right to burn that bridge, but he didn't. But he didn't, even though he had that option, he didn't play that card. Wonderful, magnificent. Even Folks, and that's another thing, you have all these options. Like, you know, the outcry on social media every time some small minor thing happens, like Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Yes, it's not good, but did we have to go to that extreme? We have options. We cannot blow up. We cannot get outraged. We cannot go to Twitter and, you know, express our outrage. It's an option. You don't have to do options that you're presented with folks so shout out to Malcolm Butler who once again had a little bit of every right to blow up didn't it well done well done back to this corner back Malcolm Butler never aired his grievances electing to keep the matter closed after moving on from New England Patriots now that he's back in Foxborough the 32 year old still doesn't have anything to say about the past and quote I ain't got too much to say about that I'm trying to live in the present I move forward from that I'm here for the Patriots love it love it folks see multiple ways to go about things and this one's real good nobody's getting up in arms everybody's kind of moving on in the past is in the past and everybody's uh uh, you know, moving on and everybody's gotten better from that. You've learned the lessons, you move on and here we are, they're back with each other. Hopefully history doesn't repeat itself and hopefully, you know, he can be a really great piece again for this Patriots team. 
All right, here we go. Uh, lead up number two. Butler unretired this spring and made a surprise return to New England, signing a two-year contract. Even the veteran corner said when he left the Patriots the first time, he never expected to play for Bill Belichick again, saying, quote, One thing I learned is you never burn your bridges. Whatever my role is, that's what I'll make it. Man, he's not even, like, demanding to be a starter. Whatever my role is, whatever they need me, yeah, I'll do that. It's just so humble. It's so fantastic. It's a little refreshing to see because we never really get this, but... Uh, and I don't mind that we don't get this. Once again, you you do y'all. I don't really care. But uh, it's refreshing. This is great. Loving this. Malcolm Butler, well done. Well done. Love it. Here we go. Uh, we got two more quick ones. Here we go. Butler said he was surprised the Patriots were considered bringing him back. He was surprised. He's like, damn, y'all still wanted me? Damn, I, I kind of took that personal that, you know, you sat me at the Super Bowl and then let me go, let me walk, no problem. And uh, damn, okay, but y'all want me? Hey, shit, yeah, I'm back, baby. He says, quote, it came as a surprise. My agent told me Bill wanted to talk with me. What do you want to talk to me? To berate me? To challenge me on my resume? What I've done lately? A little bit of the uh, Urban Meyer route? Hey, I just wanted to call. That's what makes Urban Meyer so bad. He could surprise you in the middle of the night. Be like, hey, hey, surprise test. What are your accomplishments? What have you ever won, you loser? That's probably what Malcolm Butler was going to say. Oh, I got to hear from Bill Belichick. Call me a loser. Oh, whoa. But that's not what the case was. Quote, my agent told me Bill wanted to talk with me. I was happy. I started working out immediately because I knew it could be it could possibly be that I could return and that's exactly what it was. Look at that. Always ready? Man, Malcolm Butler. Got to applaud him here, folks. I'm loving it. Loving everything about it. Final quote here, last lead up. As for the past benching, Butler was asked if it was difficult not to express his feelings publicly after he was off the Patriots, saying, quote, it wasn't hard. You keep your feelings in-house. I had to talk with Bill Belichick. We had to talk about it like grown men. It's 2020. You can't live in the past. Another applaud. We can all learn from this, man. Oh, my goodness. Folks, this is so incredible. It wasn't hard. It wasn't hard for me not to go on, or it wasn't hard for me not to go on Twitter and explode. Bill Belichick's the worst coach. Bill Belichick is trash. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm the best defensive player Bill Belichick has ever coached. You're going to bench me? You're going to bench me? You're going to bench that motherfucker? You're going to bench me for that motherfucker? He could have done that. He could have went to the barbershop and be like, you're going to bench me for that motherfucker right there? But he didn't do any of that. You had the option not to kind of, you know, clap back, right? It wasn't hard. Quote, it wasn't hard. You keep your feelings in-house. You can keep things in-house. Not everything has to be public, okay? This speaks to every athlete. A lot of these ones, you know, going on podcasts. Oh, I'm better. Respect me. You don't have to do that. You don't have to voice your displeasure with all these teams making you work look a little worse, a little worse in the overall optics. So, it's brilliant here by Malcolm Butler. Fantastic. Welcome back to the league. And now we're rooting for this Patriots defense. The uh, Last year, what do we have it? Uh, they were the provocateur defense. That was the nickname we gave the Patriots defense last season. I think we got to go to the wise men. These are the wise men here, baby. We're smart. We're classy. We're, um... We're mature. We're the wise men. Yes, yes. We keep our feelings in-house. We don't go on Twitter rants. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. We don't burn our bridges. We're wise men, folks. Watch out for this wise men defense, folks. I love it. The wise beyond their years. A little bit of an owl, yes? Is this the New England owls now? Screw the Patriots. New England owls. Wise wisdom. Billy B. We all know Billy B is wise. Absolutely. And now we know Malcolm Butler is wise now. Yeah. Yeah. The wise men, folks. Shout out to the wise men defense. Love it already. 
Alrighty, folks, that is going to do it for us today, folks. We're going to have to get out of here. But thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We are back live tomorrow, noon Eastern, folks, daily, folks, daily, especially um, during this playoff stretch when we're absolutely killing it. Finger on the pulse. Of course, we got to be here every single mother-loving day. So back tomorrow, live noon Eastern, where we may be able to get to Kenny Pickett, may be able to get to that man. Uh, tomorrow's eight days left to the draft so perfect timing so back tomorrow live noon eastern and see what's happening here in the sports world see what's happening in the playoffs and tomorrow folks tomorrow's the big day tomorrow's the big game Nets celtics game two us versus y'all game two and if you're keeping score at home it's one us zero y'all we're on the celtics y'all are on the nets one us zero y'all we'll see if that changes tomorrow cannot wait for it Alrighty, folks, we are out of here. Have an absolute great one. Make a little bit of money, money. Heat minus seven, folks. I'm telling you, it's the best bet of the night. Alrighty, folks, we're getting out of here. And here we go. Bam out of bio. Expected to play. So we told you a little questionable, but he's good to go. Lock in that minus seven whenever you can before it maybe goes up to minus eight. The amount of money I'm about to put it on it, it's about to go up to uh, uh, minus 10. Heat minus 10. So get your bets in. I won't bet for the next. Um, uh, I, I guess I can't make that promise. I got to lock in that value, folks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Once I bet and the, it moves to heat minus 10, I gave you all the time in the show, folks. You have to use the time in the show whenever I'm live I'm not betting so whenever I'm not live I'm betting and I can't really kind of save that value for y'all all right I gave you the chance I gotta take away the value now because I'm putting bands I'm putting bands on the heat minus seven and it's gonna fluctuate to heat minus ten it's gonna push it to heat minus ten so I'm sorry for that for y'all okay I'm sorry I gave you your chance. I gave you your opportunities. You didn't take advantage of it. I don't know what you want from y'all, from me, folks. I don't know what you want from me. I can only give you the information. Y'all have to go and do it, okay? I'm telling y'all all the right things. We've never been wrong over here, folks. It, the ball is now in your court, okay? Alrighty, folks. Have an absolute great one. And last time here, happy birthday, Troy Palomalu. Love you, Matt. <laughs> Love you, Matt. Alrighty, folks. We're out of here. Have a great one.